You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, managing editor of Fightful.com. It is December 13th, the 49th edition of List and Your Boy. I have a headband on. Jimmy, where's yours? I got to tell you something, and I, I noticed this before we went off on the air, but I wanted to wait. Uh, when you talk, there's some strands of hair at the front of your oh, head. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you, <laughs> did you notice that? Jimmy, that's half the fun. Oh, really? When I go off, I go off. <laughs> yeah, they were moving while you speak. Like there was like just like a, a thing on the front, and it, it moved mean, as you spoke. Ultimately, you hired me to be a journalist, but I have to be an entertainer as well, damn it. <laughs> that's kind of the Conan thing. You know the Conan O'Brien thing where he's got that? Yeah. You kind of got that going on there, man. Although right now, it's just batshit crazy right now. I want you to uh, inform our lovely viewing audience or listening audience. <laughs> you were running a little bit late today, uh, although I'm late every week, so it really doesn't matter. But in, 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 inform our, our listeners why you were running a little late today. Okay, so I have a giant house for this area. It's really old, like 140 years old. So we don't use electric heat here. We use gas heaters, which you all can't see. But if you all watch Raw and SmackDown podcasts, you see the ones behind me. And we had to have one service today. So my wife is taking it to uh, a town nearby because it got cat hair in it and got clogged. Yeah. I can't, I, and I can't explain to you how, how so, stoked I am to move. So. so so the guy, where did I put the rest of them? I thought I had an extra one. So the guy's living in uh, Kentucky. He's got, <laughs> he's got six cats, whatever the hell it is. It's probably some in the drawers there. Or, oh, there. He's got six cats. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't his. He stays in the living room. Oh, it wasn't his hair. Okay. No. So he's got six cats, and then what's going to happen when you have six cats? They're going to fuck up your gas heater, so you had to take it yeah. in because of cat hair in your gas heater. Well, it'd, it'd be nice if I didn't have gas heaters. I am stoked to move into a house that, hell, if it was built in the last century, it would be an improvement. So. Is that natural gas, or is that like propane or something? Propane. Oh, it's propane. Really? Yeah. How often do you have to replace the tanks? I think about twice 
a winter, or if I'm lucky, twice a winter, mm. depending on how much we use. It's it can get costly. It's really probably about uh, over a thousand per winter, which is you know about thirty two thousand Canadian. So you know, a couple of years ago, I bought a cottage on a on a, a place called the Saint Lawrence River. And it's winterized, and when I bought the place, and when we were looking underneath, you know, the, the it's not a basement because there is no basement. When we were looking underneath, there was all these empty propane tanks lined up against a wall. Yeah. And my brother-in-law is my project manager out there, and I said to him, what the hell is all these propane tanks? And he told me, oh, that's how they heat the place. So we immediately just wiped all that shit out, and we got uh, oh, yeah. natural gas put in there. We got a furnace and everything. Well, when we, when we moved in, this was a family house. My mom was going to sell it, and I was like, no, I'll land contract it from you. Uh, keep, it, keep it around. It would have been a chore for her to sell. It's so big. Right. It's got so much maintenance it has to do. But the electric heat doesn't work. If we used central air and heat here, we're looking at $500 oh, yeah. a month. Yep. Now, I have friends who I were talking to you live in Georgetown, a house about this big. Their electric bills about $100 a month mm-hmm. just because it's, it's updated. This house was built in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, electric, was, electric will definitely get you. No question about it. Oh, yeah. And if you use like the space heater thing, then you're going to have all that dry heat. Yep. It's terrible for your body. And it smells it burnt, too. Don't you notice yeah. it? It smells burnt. Yeah. yeah. It's just terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, I don't I'm like sure it. You all in Toronto know more about heat than me. But also, uh, my bad, guys. It is worse than your boy number 50. We are at there the half go. century mark. Not that I, not that I, uh, you know, like to promote products that I'm not getting a commission on, but you know those Dyson heaters. I don't. I have a Dyson right? vacuum. So Dyson makes heaters, and it's, uh, it's you know, a fancy thing with a ring and all that. You don't get the dryness or the burnt smell with the Dyson heater. Now, granted, you're paying like 500 Canadian for one, but yeah. you, but you don't get the burnt smell or the dryness. So keep that in mind. Somebody tells uh, said that you should make me rock cornrows. Uh, he doesn't have to make me do anything. <laughs> I will eventually have the cornrows. Yeah, but everybody's got a price, Sean. That's true. Uh, you know what? I refuse to rock. <laughs> I like, like it. I like it. Such. <laughs> I want to start today by uh, giving a shout out to one of our listeners, a gentleman by the name of Eric Van Summeren Senior, which sounds like a good Dutch name. He's a legend. He's a great dude. Um, Van Summer sounds Dutch to me, and I'm I'm of Dutch heritage. So if that's the case, then kudos to you. So he uh, he forwarded me a video clip on Twitter. Anybody that saw our show or listened to our show last week, and I was venting about the idiots looking at my house when it was on the market, claiming they weren't interested because there was too much crown molding. So yeah. uh, Eric sent me a, a, a video clip on Twitter. Someone had created it, and they sent it to Rusev. And it was a, a video that zoomed in on their Christmas tree. And at the top of the Christmas tree, they had a picture of Rusev instead of an angel or a star up there. And Rusev responded to the video by, by saying, nice crown molding. And I was like, exactly, exactly. Rusev, Rusev understands. Just, he's endearing himself more and more. Just He endeared more himself more. more to me because he understands. Yeah. There's value in crown molding. And he understood that. So Yeah. So hey, shout out yeah. I wish I had some... Sp- they didn't know what crown molding was when this damn house was built. <laughs> well, when I first asked you last week what crown molding was, I got crickets out of you, Sean. You had no I didn't idea. know what the hell it was. My house was built in 1875, Jimmy. But you weren't born in 1875. Might as well have been the way that I'm living. <laughs> so let's talk about the news I wrote today. So today is December 13th, and uh, a few weeks ago there was a report. I think it was from PW Insider. It might have been from Satin. Uh, there was a report that WWE was in talks with Facebook. 
It was confirmed today that. Oh, yeah, uh, Sat- Satin broke that. I want to give him the credit. Okay, it was okay. Ryan Satin, Pro Wrestling Sheet, absolutely not PW and All right, all right. So um, it was confirmed today that WWE is going to be doing an exclusive deal with Facebook. They've given them the exclusive rights to a live weekly show called Mixed Match Challenge. Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, it's going to stream live in the U.S., which is uh, should be a little asterisk there. It's going to stream live in the U.S. only, exclusively on Facebook's watch platform on Tuesday night starting January 16 at 10 p.m. Eastern following SmackDown. I think they're going to move 205 Live to pre-SmackDown and tape it, which is fine. doesn't make a difference. Will um, air at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. What will? Uh, 205 Live. Is that confirmed? That's what I heard. Is it going to be live still? I don't know about that. Okay, they better not. Be, they they need to film that before Raw. Yeah, they're going to bring out the live crowd. Uh, so Mixed Match Challenge, it's going to be a 12-episode series, 20 minutes in, in length, which, which I think is smart because you're dealing with the social media crowd. They have a low, uh, short attention span. So 20-minute episodes. Uh, it's a single elimination tag team tournament featuring men's and women's talent from both Raw and SmackDown, and they're going to announce the tag team pairings on January 4th. Uh, I was asking Sean uh, this morning, uh, is WWE getting rights fees for this? You thought I was talking about the $1,000, $100,000 going to charity for the winning team. Uh, and I said to Sean, that can't be. They gotta be there's got to be more in it for WWE than a Oh, uh, yeah. Facebook's then, paying them. Yeah, Variety reported Facebook is paying rights fees. They didn't disclose the terms, but I figured they were. Um, to me, when I look at this... Uh, and you can a lot has been said. Brandon Howard has been posting all day on Twitter about the business aspects of this and all that. Uh, this is, I think, a big opportunity for WWE because their current rights fees end in 2019. They're hoping to have a deal by the end of next year. I don't think they're ready for for uh, for social media just yet in terms of leaving traditional cable to go to live streaming on the internet. But uh, that's where everything is headed, and this is a big opportunity because if they're able to uh, have any success with this. This could pave the way for a relationship with Facebook. And who knows, maybe after their next cable contract, they'll be looking at somebody like Facebook for the for the one after that for rights. So uh, it's a big thing. Now, obviously, for the raw talent, it's not the greatest news because uh, that means there's going to be an extra work day for them on Tuesdays. But you told me today they're only doing a match a week, so that's not terrible. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, these guys aren't going to be out there all the time. It'll be like maybe once a month some of these people are out there, if even that. Right, and it's it's going to run twelve weeks. There are twelve teams, so you know you get one match and one match a night. Eliminate a guy, you're off there. Eliminate a team, you're off there. In canon, I don't think it'll matter at all. It'll be really inconsequential. But <clears throat> Facebook is laid out now. I don't know how this will be. Like, will if it'll just be free and they WWE can just post it and run it how they want to. If so, then videos now run in the upper left-hand corner of Facebook even while you're scrolling down if you start to watch one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So people can maybe discover a Sasha Banks, a Bailey, something like that that they would have never discovered otherwise. There are so often that, that when people find out what I do for a living, they'll say, well, I, I used to be a wrestling fan, but it just ain't what it used to be. And I'm like, oh, well, who do you watch on there now? And they say, well, nobody. I don't watch it. And I say, how the fuck do you know it's not like it? used to be then like is that verbatim you know? what you say that's verbatim what you say to people i have before yeah <laughs> how the fuck would you know like it's you know i've had people that say i saw braun Strowman turn over an ambulance and i started to watch wrestling again like yeah. you never know what might catch somebody's eye and yeah. maybe an offhand facebook video with bailey teaming up with finn balor might do it yeah 
Brandon Howard, one of our writers, brought up an excellent point today, why it's not on the WWE Network. This would probably add little to no subs for WWE Network. True. But this is an increased revenue stream for them on Facebook. WWE has found out that all that original content, as good as it may be, as cool as it may be, and as informative as it may be, doesn't necessarily affect their sub count. Yeah. So, And I, I look not? at it again. I mean, I, we don't know what the race fees are they're getting from Facebook. But again, I look at it like an investment on the part of WWE because you're – you know, this is an opportunity for them to get in with Facebook. And yes. uh, you, you said you don't know if it's going to be free or not on Facebook. I'm going to go ahead and guess it is going to be free on Facebook for a couple of reasons. First reason is the whole live streaming thing is still uh, new to Facebook, and this is still a proof of concept type of stage that they're in. The second thing is, and I know this because we buy a lot of media, Facebook is skewing older now. Uh, yes, kids are getting off of Facebook because they don't think it's cool anymore. Instagram is where all the kids are going now, Sean. And Snapchat, that's where all the kids are, Sean. Facebook now is where all the old folks go, Sean. And now, now here's the irony of this. We know that the average age of a viewer for WWE is in the 40s now. So that's, yes. kind of, that's kind of ironic, even though they target kids with a lot of the uh, content. But uh, I think that Facebook is, is hoping that something like this can keep some of their keep some of their uh, I guess you can call them subscribers. I mean, who, who would have thought the who would have thought the NWA would have beaten WWE to Instagram streaming? Uh, I I don't think WWE cares at all. About, and they should. That, but, they, uh, they should. They should get involved in that a little bit more. Uh, like Starcade, they could have streamed one of the. They could have streamed the Rock and Roll Express match or something on their Instagram. Expensive. Like how they would have been expensive. They, it, it ain't that expensive to have. Not on Instagram. It's, no, but it's, you got to understand the production, the satellites, and everything involved is expensive. Not for Instagram. Use it's the a same damn technology. Phone, Jimmy. It's, well, Use fine. A damn phone, Jimmy. Fine. They could have, if they wanted to go low rent, and if they wanted to have a guy with an iPhone holding it up to the rig, fine. They could have sure. done that. They could have sure. Done that. Why not? Uh, but that's going to be interesting. We'll see how it goes. It's because it's exclusive only in the U.S. I'm not going to be watching it, although I probably wouldn't anyway. But uh, that's, that's why I got Sean Ross Sapp covering this for FIFA. But it's going to be interesting. Yeah. The whole, you know, I, I saw Alex Pawlowski's thing about, oh, I thought, you know, Survivor Series was the, the one time a year that they have Raw versus SmackDown. But, uh, and I know he was only kidding around, but you look at the big picture again. This is an opportunity for them to get in with Facebook. So I hope they don't screw it up for their sake because yeah. uh, obviously Facebook's got the money to do whatever they want, right? So They sure do. We'll see what happens. I want to move on. So a while ago... Again, for you video people, you can see this, and the, the audio listeners can't. I came up with this gimmick here, the list of Jimmy yeah. Van. You came up with it. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> fine, fine. What I meant, I meant gimmick meaning this particular clipboard. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I stole this blatantly from Chris Jericho, and I did it jokingly because I really enjoyed Chris Jericho's character because it was uh, there was a lot of comedy elements to to the Chris Jericho character with the list and with the skinny you know pencil uh, scarves and the festival of friendship and all that stuff that he was doing I found him very entertaining and funny and I I came up with the list of Jimmy Band kind of as a as an ode to Chris Jericho um, isn't it ironic that you look at that character with the list of, of Jericho and the scarves and the festival of friendship and dancing to the ring with a shiny hat on his head. And last weekend, Chris, Ger Chris, Ger yeah, Chris Jericho Easy shows for you to say, yeah, I guess so <laughs> shows up at the world tag league finals for new Japan in Japan. Uh, and he, he's does this ruthless villainous yeah. killer of a character that we haven't seen out of Chris Jericho in forever, that kind of a character. 
Uh, Kenny Omega was in the ring. He had just had a match. He's looking at the screen because they played Jericho's latest video. The lights go out. They come back on. Jericho's behind him in the ring, lays him out, bloodies him up, actually takes Omega's blood, wipes it on his own face. Don Callis comes in to question Jericho because they're buddies from way back. Uh, Jericho lays out Don Callis too. What a what a uh, what an appearance for Chris Jericho. And then the press conference the next day, Sean. I thought through a thought, table. Yeah, but <laughs> the promo too. Like he took it up a lot. So yeah. the next day they did a press conference. Anybody that watches the UFC, it was kind of like a new school UFC press conference where they have one talent at a time. Uh, Omega went first. Then he left, and then Jericho came out, and when Jericho's out there, Omega jumps him. They're pulled apart for a minute. That lets Jericho pick up the table, and like you said, he whipped it at Omega hard and in the head. And then when they are finally separated, Jericho took the mic and blatantly swore, uh, which for the Japanese audience, Sean, you know, that's... A, they that's do a, that all the time, especially Gorillas of Destiny. Like, Camacho, one of Haku's kids, my God. <laughs> I mean, Camacho's one thing, Chris Jericho's kind of another... Uh, yeah. In terms of his stature, and so to hear Chris Jericho call the guy in the crowd "fuckface," <laughs> and he said he was going to kick the shit out of Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 12 in January, that was a side of Jericho we just haven't seen in a very long time. Uh, and I was watching that, and I, I loved the whole thing. I loved the angle. Uh, Omega is—he reminds me so much of Jericho. Uh, yeah. The way he cuts promos, he sounds just like him. I think. And uh, and you know how Omega when he talks he can he can drop the volume of his voice down yeah. and reminds me of Jericho a lot but uh, I love the whole thing it it gave it a big match feel for the Wrestle Kingdom match and this is what WWE is lacking is this kind of intensity now uh, I just loved it I thought it was great there there is no person better in wrestling history at reinventing themselves in my opinion than Chris Jericho because he was one of the most over he had one of his most over periods ever. His last WWE run. He did. And he went, and now he's turned into a drunken rock star who wants to fight everybody. Like, that's what his deal is now, and it works. And he looks different than the last time he showed up on WWE already. Like, it's... Yeah. It's well, he, look, he, he looks similar to how he did when he did the one-off. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because he was in the midst of that. He didn't even yeah. expect to wrestle that night, though. That's right. That's right. And one other thing I couldn't help but notice about the whole thing was Jericho clearly has WWE training when it comes to buzzwords because they kept on over and over and over again saying Omega mm-hmm. versus Alpha, Omega versus yeah. Alpha. And he was wearing an Alpha Club t-shirt, which you damn well know is going to end up in the Pro Wrestling Tea Store. You know it oh, is. Oh, no, it's, it's in Hot Topic exclusively. Oh, it's in Hot Topic already? Talk, talk about opening the goddamn door. Like, people are like... I had one person who, who said... I think you talk up the Young Bucks business sense a little too much. I know I don't think I no, do. No. Because they got not just themselves them into into Hot Topic. Yeah. Candice LeRae and Joey Ryan are in Hot Topic I saw now that. in select locations. I saw that. Uh, Chris Jericho is going to be in Hot Topic now. And I don't think that people understand how big of a deal that is, but any mall you go to like out here, right. there's there's a Hot Topic in there. And right. right. It's just it's just really, really good. They're making a lot of moves. Here's something that I found very, very interesting. Uh, today, Justin Barrasso released a column. It's kind of like his uh, – it's got several interviews that he does throughout the week and things like that. Mark Cuban was on there touting New Japan. I heard about that. Admitting that he paid a lot of money to get the rights to, to uh, Wrestle Kingdom a couple days later and was like, I don't care how much it costs. I believe in them. I think they are a good alternative. And straight up said when asked if if he thinks that Vince is concerned, he goes, "Nah, 
Vince doesn't give a shit about us. No, no. He like, he, he knows the drill. And the thing is, he is familiar enough about wrestling to know what an alternative is. Yeah. But he doesn't know enough about of it. Uh, he knows that he's not as plugged in as a guy like Ed Nordholm, who probably shouldn't be involved. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, and that's, that, that's why Mark Cuban is a goddamn billionaire. And he's got successful ventures everywhere. You know, he, knows gonna, when, he knows when something can succeed, yeah. but he knows when he can make it fail. I don't want to go off topic for too long, but I want to tell you a couple of Mark Cuban things. Uh, I'm a, I have a lot of respect for Mark Cuban. I really, uh, he's, I'm a fan of Mark Cuban. And uh, a couple things. So a few years ago, Mark Cuban did uh, the, the, the type of business that I'm in. He did one of the uh, industry events. And I missed his appearance. And in my business, I don't know if I, if I should even say this. In my business, you have to be savvy when it comes to finding the contact for a product that you want to market. Yeah. Because they hide their information because they don't want to be solicited. Yes. And I've learned a lot of tactics in order to get that done. And after Mark Cuban did that appearance and I missed it, I actually used the tactics that we've learned and I found Mark Cuban's personal cell phone number. Oh, damn. And email address. And I sent him an email. And you were like, how can I get a hold of Sean Ross? <laughs> Mark, how can I get a hold of okay. this guy? No, and I sent him an email saying, this is who I am. I heard you did this industry party. Sorry, I missed it. Uh, you know, heard it went well, blah, 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 blah. Thinking that Mark Cuban, you know, whatever, he responded within an hour. Wow. wow. And, and I had a lot of respect for that. And one other thing I learned from Mark Cuban, and this is business advice I will give anybody, including you, Nigel. Okay. Uh, what I learned from Mark Cuban is if you ever want to put money into an investment that you're not sold on, right, don't invest more money than you're willing to lose. Yeah. And I learned that from Mark Cuban, and, I, and that's a piece of advice I use to this day. I'm always offered investment opportunities. And whenever there's ones where I think that could be good, but it sounds a little bit risky, I always look at it like, all right, I'm, I'm willing to lose X amount of dollars, so I will give you X amount of dollars, and that's it. And I learned that from him. So, uh, Yeah, I, I like the guy. I think that he's, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant dude. And to see him speaking New Japan at yeah. all, and not only that, endorsing them and saying they've been great to right. the point to where we're going to probably end up producing some of our Friday night MMA content mm -hmm. because we like them so much that that is a, a ringing endorsement. So now Jimmy, you have ring of honor with Sinclair broadcast backing them mm -hmm. and you've got new Japan with Mark Cuban backing them. That's solid. Like it's not going to become a, a point of contention or like a uh, competition for WWE. No, no, but at least you don't have an Anthem or a Dixie Carter or somebody like that backing. This whole thing is great for Miss McMahon because Jericho's yeah. going to be back. I mean, he's already said he's yes. going to be back. He, um, he did, yeah. And he might bring some fans with him. So this is this is good for WWE. I yeah, say I'm, I'm stoked to cover that show. We have a guy named Robbie Radford who's going to do that post show with me at about 4 in the afternoon on January 4th. I can't wait. I want to say a couple other things about that, uh, that whole angle and the press conference and stuff. Um, the first thing is, and I couldn't help it, I was watching Jericho bloody up Omega wipe the blood on his face. And I thought to myself, isn't it ironic, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but isn't it ironic that the last time that WWE staged an angle with color, it was Vince McMahon in the angle? Yeah. Doesn't that kind of say all that you need to know about the mindset of WWE today? Uh, and then one little thing I loved about the press conference was the guy in the white gloves. 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I don't know what it was, a little thing like that. So, Nigel, there was a guy at the press conference in, like, a tuxedo and white gloves. <laughs> okay. And whenever a talent would come out, he would, like, give them a new water bottle. He would wipe off the microphone for them. And I, I loved it. it. It made the talent look important. And I, I really liked it. And it was just a subtle little thing I really liked. So I've, uh, s- I've said before that Vince likes to portray his guys as being above worrying about money. And recently they've mentioned it a couple times. But there are little things that they do that that they like that they they could have done that they could have absolutely done that absolutely yeah. I loved it and uh, I just I enjoyed the whole thing I can't really think of anything about that angle and about that press conference that I didn't like and thought, Jericho putting good. in the leg work to yeah. make that work I thought it was good let's uh, shift gears and talk about Rich Swan uh, oh I think his new nickname should be soon to be the uh, future endeavored. Rich Swan. I had I got some information on that actually. Oh, okay. Well, let me let me say what happened and then you can say your information. So he was arrested last Saturday night in Gainesville, Florida. He allegedly falsely imprisoned and battered his wife, Venera Riggs, who wrestles uh, professionally as Sue Young. Uh, she had just had a match. They were driving home afterwards. He was critiquing her performance. Uh, he got angry. Uh, they started yelling. She got scared. Tried to get out of the car while it was moving. He tried to get out of the car while it was moving. Uh, Forcibly put his hands on her. He got arrested, appeared before a judge, and was released on Sunday. WWE released this statement. Quote, WWE has zero tolerance for matters involving domestic violence, and per our policy, Rich Swan has been suspended indefinitely following his arrest. Now, he was supposed to be in the number one contender match for the Cruiserweight title against Drew Gulak, and on Raw, without really mentioning anything, uh, they switched it around, and all that was said was Gulak informed Enzo that uh, the championship opportunity had been revoked, and that was the word he used, had been revoked from Rich Swan. They had another fatal four-way, Cedric Alexander won it, and so now it's going to be Cedric Alexander against Gulak uh, in the number one contender match. But uh, tell me your latest that you heard. So I got some information from somebody that worked at WWE that a situation that happened WrestleMania weekend, and actually uh, somebody who works with Fightful told me to check on this, and I did. That a situation WrestleMania weekend may have actually saved Rich Swan's job because Sue Young showed up in no condition to perform, hmm. and uh, she was withheld from a show because of that. And WWE doesn't know the the exact details. There, there's a lot to read into this situation, uh, and maybe because of that that situation occurring and that history with her, it may have ended up saving him from just being fired outright this time. Because now. Okay. Yes, yes, they're going to wait, see how things work out, because it was a disagreement about a match, and I, I don't want to accuse anything. I'm just saying that there was a situation in WrestleMania weekend with her right. that led them to not give him the benefit of the doubt, but to give him the benefit of the doubt enough to not fire him outright, and right. she bailed him out of jail the next day. So, Okay, interesting. Well, one thing about this particular story, um, unlike other you know, wrestling stories that have come out, it was picked up everywhere, this story. I mean, it's, it it's, it's not uncommon for TMZ to pick up these stories. They always do, and they picked up this one. This one was also picked up by Rolling Stone. It was picked up by all the major, major media outlets like ABC News. Everybody picked it up, and so WWE had to react. They really had no choice. They had to release a statement. They had to suspend them, uh, and I agree with you. I think they're going to wait and, and see the outcome before they make a decision. Uh, the problem for Rich Swan is that, unfortunately, with all due respect to him, he's in a place on the card where uh, he doesn't have a lot of stroke. Yes. And so it's not like they're going to think twice if they you know, get any whiff of a problem. 
But uh, mm -hmm. that's the situation. So, I mean, his mugshot was everywhere, Sean. Oh, yeah, it was. Like, right. And we did a news update on it on our YouTube, which you all can check out as well. But, yeah, somebody's asking me what the situation with Sue Young was. Uh, she was supposed to pr participate in like, one of a, a big storyline for, I think it was Flow Slam and WWN with The Red Wedding. And she was supposed to face Lufisto and wasn't there and got canned for it. And, you know, WWE likes Gabe Sapolsky. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm pretty sure they were aware of this situation as well. And... Yeah, it was. It's a messy situation. I'm. I hope nobody got hurt. Apparently, uh, or allegedly, rather, according to a witness, that they both moved, got out of a moving vehicle, and the right. vehicle ended up hitting a light pole. Right. For the love of God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad everybody's okay. Is Lufisto still going strong? I think she. I. I don't know if she just retired or. Yeah. I feel like she's. It was. She's like 37. I met her like 18 years ago. She's from, I get, she's from Quebec, and I, I met her uh, at an independent show in Ontario back in, like, 99 or so. Yeah, well, she's still wrestling pretty active. Yeah, she wrestled this month. I don't know why I thought she retired. Okay. Wrestled several times last month. Yeah, she's still going. Wow, wow. She's one of those girls, you know, sometimes you look at certain people uh, and you think, man, how come they never made it with WWE? Mm -hmm. And she's kind of one of those girls because she's been around forever, forever. Oh, yeah. She'll be one of those girls I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in as a guest trainer and then eventually bring her on or something like that. So. Right, 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 right. Oh, good for her. Yeah, we got, uh, speaking of not making it to WWE, there are several of these people on this Ring of Honor final battle show that I look at and I'm like, damn, like a Dalton Castle. That's somebody that strikes me as like, WWE would want that guy. WWE would want that guy. And uh, there's tons of uh, uh, several members of the Bullet Club. Shane Taylor and Keith Lee were a couple of those guys, just big brute dudes who uh, were getting a big push in the tag division earlier this year. Then, like kind of abruptly, Keith Lee left and went to Evolve, who was a direct competitor to Ring of Honor. We know that Matt Riddle's not allowed to work for ROH under his Evolve deal. I spoke to Shane Taylor, who competes for the ROH TV Championship, about that and Final Battle. Take a listen. So you're going to be a part of Final Battle December 15th in a championship match. Uh, what's it like for you to be in this spot on Ring of Honor's biggest show of the year? Uh, it's a blessing. And, uh, you know, growing up the way I did and, and coming from where I come from, I'm, I'm already um, way further than I ever thought that I was going to be. You know, so uh, having this opportunity with a company like ring of honor with the legacy that that they have with the stars that they've made um and where they're at now and where they're going is incredible you know um my basically my rookie year you know and by the end of it you know i am on the biggest show of the year uh fighting for a world for a world championship against three of the very best uh so i, I couldn't be happier what was the, the signing process like for you in Ring of Honor? Like, how did they get in contact with you, how, or how did you get in contact with them? Uh, how did that go for you? Um, the the signing process for me was a little different than most. Most of the time, they uh, uh, you have to go to the Ring of Honor camps and tryouts, and, and they have to see you and, and evaluate you uh, and, and, and that whole nine. Uh, but for me, living in Texas um, – my my trainer is Raymond Rowe, so when they came through and toured Texas, 
uh, I made my face seen. Um, I talked to people, networked, um, and waited about, you know, and kept doing that and waited for about maybe a year and a half, close to two years, um, and then um, started to uh, get booked on the shows pretty uh, regularly. It seems like they're in the Texas area all the time now. Yeah, I mean, it's they're they're touring there more and more, which is good. Uh, then that then that means the shows are, are successful and fans are demanding that they come back, and uh, and and that's great news for me. You know, living here in Houston, um, would love to be able to bring Ring of Honor to uh, even more even more cities down here and really help expand those markets. Earlier this year, and really last year as well, you had teamed with Keith Lee, and you all had a lot of success earlier this year. Then he was gone in, in a bit of a flash. How close were you and, and Keith? Oh, we're still close. Uh, Keith is the man. I'm I'm incredibly proud of the things that he's doing. He's getting to go all over the world and showcase his talent. Couldn't be happier for him. Um, we were doing our thing as a team, and we still do outside of – uh, TV company stuff, um, but you know, um, ultimately, you know, when him and I talk, we decided, hey, you got to do the best thing for you and your family. I've got to do the best thing for mine. Uh, and the goal when we teamed up was for both of us to get jobs. Um, it just so happened that they were with two different companies. So I mean, like I said, that it seemed to happen all like really, really fast. How mm-hmm. far ahead did you know that that your tag team partner would be heading to a different company, a bit of a competing company? Um, I I didn't know for sure. I knew he 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 was weighing a, a lot of options, and I knew which way he was leaning towards. But like I told him, uh, and like I told other people who have asked me, uh, my job was to be a star with or without him. You know, so um, in my head, um. I, I knew what he what he was leaning towards, so I made sure to mentally prepare my myself to be uh, be solo. Um, and if he de- he decided to stay, great. If he didn't, no problem. You know. Um, so that's that was the way that I approached it. Since then, you've went on and you've uh, met success as a singles wrestler. How has that transition been for you? Uh, it's been fine. I was a singles wrestler. Uh, I, I, and I've been one for most of my career outside of teaming up with Keith. Uh, so it was really just sort of back to normal for me. Um, and then I had the the brief stint in the rebellion with Kenny King, who is now the Ring of Honor television champion, Caprice Coleman and Rhett Titus. And what that allowed me to do uh, in, in that group was to uh, sort of ease my way back into things um, and, and to sort of find my own voice within that, and now that's that's transformed me into the performer that I am now. All right, we're back. I'll have more of that interview published uh, on Fightful.com, of course, as well as a story to go with that. Very excited for Ring of Honor Final Battle this Friday. I, like I've said before, I think they're at a position where we should be doing post-shows, so I'm doing one. Friday, we got UFC Fresno Saturday and Clash of Champions Sunday. It's going to be a big weekend. 
I'm a little distracted by the hair in front of your headband. It just I can't help it. I try I try not Are to focus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to focus. How in can on you it. perform under pressure, Jimmy? Okay. Because not not that I wanna not that I wanna, you know, say anything. <laughs> not that I want to accuse you of anything, but I saw the latest Artie Lang mugshot this morning. Oh yeah. There, there's a there's a similarity. <laughs> The latest. <laughs> the That's latest. what it was. It was the latest. While we were uh, while we were doing the uh, interview there, I couldn't help but notice that a bunch of tweets came in from WWE talent regarding the mixed match challenge. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. Love Finn Balor. There you go. Finn Balor wants to tag with Bailey. Bailey wants to tag with Finn Balor. Nia Jax wants to tag with Braun Strowman. Alexa Bliss wants to tag with with Braun Strowman. And what did Braun Strowman say? There isn't a person who wouldn't want to be my partner or a team that wants to compete against us. So, there you go. thought that was interesting. Yeah, sure. I'm not, I don't give a shit about that show. No, but can you imagine Nia Jax and Braun Strowman? I mean, the other teams might as well just forfeit. That's true. If that's, if that's your that's opposition. Uh, so, Paige, she, uh, she did an interview on Lillian Garcia's podcast where she opened up about everything from her in, her neck injury to her struggles with addiction to her relationship with Alberta Del Rio to the video and photo leak that happened. Uh, and you can go into some of the details if you want about the interview. The one thing I wanted to address was she said that the backlash over the leak caused her to contemplate suicide. Uh, Hospitalized as well, which we didn't know about prior. Right. And it made me think of that porn star. You and I were talking about this the other day. The porn star, uh, August Ames, she was 23 years old, and she uh, killed herself a couple of weeks ago. And in her case, what happened was she was accused online, because this all stems from bullying, online bullying and whatnot. In her case, she was accused of being a homophobe online because she wouldn't work with a, with a male porn star that had done gay scenes mm -hmm. because of the potential health risks. And so uh, she got a lot of bullying online. Sometimes with some of these girls, you forget how young they are. Oh, yeah. And um, August Ames was like 23 years old. Paige has been around forever. She's only 25, right? She's still a yes. kid. And these girls, you know, oftentimes they're very impressionable. Their public image is very important to them. Uh, and when they have to deal with this bullying, some of them just don't know how to handle it. And uh, I'm glad that Paige was able to get through it because I would have been so unfortunate. You know, I'm glad she was able to get through it. Yeah, I said this on the Raw and SmackDown shows, which you guys should go check out at Fightful.com. But I don't think there was anybody – in the world that would have been a better person to talk to Paige about this than Lillian Garcia. A woman, first off, who is friends with Paige, mm. when she asks questions, it doesn't seem like she's prying or trying to get a headline or anything like that. There's a level, a level of comfortability to where Lillian didn't even ask her mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Paige just opened up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best job as an interviewer is just you saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. things like that, and letting the subject open up the way that they feel comfortable doing so. I don't think Paige could have looked any better coming out of this. She took responsibility Absolutely. for a lot of dumb shit that she did. Yep. Uh, she didn't badmouth Alberto Del Rio. She spoke yep. very highly of him. She admitted that when she made that post about having a prescription that it was bad, it was stupid. Mm -hmm. She admitted that when pictures emerged of her being very thin and she tried to cover that up, that she was sick and that Alberto and her family were trying to help her. Mm -hmm. She didn't badmouth anybody. She admitted that she was like a terrible friend to Alicia Fox. Like mm -hmm. she, 
Sometimes all it takes is an I messed up, I'm sorry, and things like that. Now, she doesn't have – well, perhaps she could apologize to WWE for some of the things that were in the videos that leaked. But she doesn't have any – she doesn't need to apologize for videos and photos leaking. I mean she was dumb and she was young, but those are private. Yep. But she apologized for the things that she needed to and thanked her fans for sticking around with her. She looked great. We got a ton of stories coming out of it uh, at, at Fightful.com as well. And since she came back, we talked about this. She's had a presence about her. She seems very confident. Uh, seems like she has a, an added level of maturity. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it looks like she's turned a corner, you know. And she's, yeah. she's in a position right now. I mean, I still think Charlotte is the best all-around female performer in the company. She is in a position where she could dominate on Raw very much like Charlotte could dominate on SmackDown. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait and see how she performs in the ring. She credited Sasha Banks a lot for carrying her in that match and yeah. making sure she didn't get lost because they threw her out of not being on TV for a year and a half into a 15 minute match on live TV. I thought that was a little much. No live events, no six person tags, yeah. six woman tags. They just threw her out there. If she can get it done in the ring, then that will be. That will be big because we've never seen a woman her age at this stage of her career come off of that neck surgery like that. We saw Lita do it, but Lita was never – like I don't think Lita ever, ever approached the in-ring technique that, that no. Paige had. It no, was, no, no, Lita was about moonsaults. Yeah. So moonsaults and dropkicks. Not that I want yeah, to disrespect so, Lita, but she was not a – That's uh, what she was. That's yeah. what she was, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that because no. at the time she stood out for that. Yep. But uh, Paige could be something very special in this division. She looked so comfortable and happy yeah. before. You could tell she was going through the motions and wasn't motivated. Yep. That's changed, so good for her. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Triple H versus Jinder Mahal. I want to t- touch upon this. So, oh uh, yeah, I, 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 read some, I listened to some of the commentary on, online. We'll talk about it. So last weekend they had the big India house show in New Delhi. <laughs> It was supposed to be two back-to-back shows. Uh, ticket sales were not what they expected. They put the WWE spin on it, saying that, you know, due to demand or whatever bullshit they said, they were moving one show to Abu Dhabi, uh, keeping the other one in New Delhi. It was supposed to be Jinder against Kevin Owens. They put Triple H in the match instead because, again, clearly ticket sales were soft. And Triple H went over clean in the middle, one, two, three. Um, I listened to Dave Meltzer's commentary on it, on the, on the, on the finish. And yeah. he said that uh, these were his words. He said he'd love to hear the defense for that decision because in his, in his mind, there was no defense for that decision. I actually disagree with that. And the reason I disagree with that is that this match got a lot of attention. It's something that had been talked about for, for weeks. Uh, I think there was a very good possibility, even if WWE didn't have their own cameras there, which it turned out they did, that a lot of footage was going to end up online mm-hmm. because uh, that's the Indian mm-hmm. market. WWE right now has a lot more in the plans for Triple H than, than they do for Jinder Mahal. And that's, that's just a fact. They're looking at matches with Braun Strowman. They're looking at matches with Kurt Angle. They're looking at matches with Shane McMahon, potentially. Maybe even Jason Jordan. Jinder Mahal, they got AJ Styles and nothing else. And, exactly, yeah. And, and, and for that reason, this, this did not surprise me. And, and you know, people are going to say, oh, the McMahon's son-in-law had to win clean in the middle, right? Because <laughs> the McMahon's get over. And there's truth to that. But... I completely understand WWE's uh, thinking on that because, again, footage was going to end up online. And how do you do Hunter versus Braun Strowman if there's footage of Jinder beating him one, two, three in the middle of the ring? You can't, right? Yeah. So I fully get it. That's why they did it, in my opinion, and I wanted to bring that up. Imagine if (laughs) – 
I just I'm just trying to wrap my head around building six six seven months up for a house show that failed, but or not not failed, but well yeah it did because they had to cancel one. So you mean, it you mean you mean Ginger's Run? You're talking about Ginger's Run? Yeah, because it didn't take off the way it should. And Triple H in an interview said, "quote It's not to say Ginger wasn't over there. He was. You have to understand the market. It's not like everyone just went, oh my God, he's Indian. He looks like us, so we love him." They're a savvy market. They understand he's a bad guy. Even though he got a massive reaction, he still needs to earn their respect. He's still growing and new. You know what I mean? End quote. That's what they thought was going to happen, yeah. was that people would say, he looks like us. We love him. Uh, being a dickhead transcends religion, color, race, country so often. And that did. That's why I said that I thought I thought the Singh brothers stood a better chance than he did in that role. If he is a heel – the Indian people are gonna know he's a heel. Yeah, it's just it just didn't work. And there were there were outlets in India, some of which who I, I'm convinced were not there. Mm. They were covering it minute by minute, mm-hmm. and they would cover it like almost like it was real. And I saw one that said, "How does this guy have any respect? He only wins when the Singh brothers help mm-hmm. him." And these are major Indian publications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jinder himself. If you go back to that Jericho podcast interview, Jinder himself said in the Indian market. You can't get over just by being Indian. You have to accomplish something. Uh, and he specifically mentioned guys like The Undertaker. The Undertaker got over in India because of what he accomplished and because of the level of stardom that he achieved. And I completely agree with what you said. I think that by booking him as this bad guy who needs help to win and cheats in all of his matches and stuff, how do you think that this supposed new fan base is going to get behind you when you're booked like that? It was never going to happen. Yeah, and, and, and like we talked about, he was behind the eight ball from the beginning because he was enhancement for eight months. But when you add to that, that he could never beat anybody without cheating. Uh, you know, and remember when they did that, uh, that Indian celebration and the poor woman was trying to do the, the song and, and yep. she was getting mocked and booed by the fans and she was cut off halfway. And the whole thing was destined to fail based on how they booked it. And I still believe that a lot of the failures WWE has had uh, stems with creative. Uh, uh, just uh, just ignorant booking. By the way, yeah. Tom Cassiello, former managing lead writer of WWE, did like a four-hour interview the other day. I think it was probably the first day he legally could because it was almost a, exactly a year after he was fired. And uh, we have a lot of stories coming out of that too. But he would – just straight up say Vince McMahon will not listen to a pitch that's a year long. Like well, he since, won't. You, since you brought it up now, Sean, yeah, I had that on my list too. So we'll talk about uh, Tom Cassiello. So he was on the Agenda podcast, which admittedly I had not heard of. I'm not a podcast guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't listen to really many podcasts, so I, I didn't know that existed. But uh, he, uh, I'm just being honest. Well, I mean, he, I, uh, I didn't either, and I cover it, but they – from what I understand, they specialize in women's wrestling, and he had a okay. big hand in that. So so he said something that I thought was very appropriate, uh, or I guess understandable. He said Vince McMahon, with Vince McMahon, like you've mentioned, you couldn't pitch a year-long story because, uh, as Tom Cassiello was accustomed to, he came from the soap opera world. I think he was a daytime Emmy winner prior to going to WWE. And in his world, you, you pitch a year's worth of stories for characters he said it with Vince McMahon, you could not do that. And this was a quote. He said, Vince kind of wants to know what mania is for next year, but otherwise, go three months. If you go a year with three different turns and all these twists and turns, he gets lost. you got to do it in smaller doses. Uh, and again, this, I think, is one of the problems creatively with the company. Uh, and when you have a guy... You have one unheard message. 
Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Who's 72 years old heading up creative in 2017. That's, that's part of the problem. And when you think about the past, and when you think about Sting versus Hogan at Starcade. That did a big number. They did a year-long build with that. When you think of Ryback versus CM Punk, they didn't do a year-long build with that, but they built up Ryback for months before for that they, moment. Right, for that moment, to put him in the title picture, and they did a surprisingly big number with that. That's lacking today. This here's, in, here's one, Jimmy. Batista turning on Triple H. That was a good My one, too. My God. And Vince wanted to hotshot it. Yes. Vince wanted to hotshot it bad, but Batista and Triple H are like, no. Right. No, you're not doing it. You're not doing it. They stood up. Right. And they they put themselves out there. Now, Triple H has much more leeway, but yeah. I remember, oh, my God, like I was just ready for that, that to happen. Yep. And when Batista threw that thumbs down, yep. it was perfect. Yep. It Everybody was. played it off perfect. It was it was great. Yeah. Also, they integrated something like the Royal Rumble, which made it even bigger. Like Right, right. And you know, the thing that kind of kills me about this mentality is, and I know it's a different time and they have a lot more content to produce now. Years ago, in the 80s, when they only had four pay-per-views a year, they would do a year-long build. And I remember uh, with Hogan and uh, Savage, and that's the one I always go back to because I really, really enjoyed the Hogan and Savage storyline. SummerSlam of 88 is when they started the tease for a match that didn't happen until WrestleMania the next year. Because SummerSlam 88 is when Hogan put Elizabeth on his shoulder and he kind of accidentally or inadvertently put his hand on her butt, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then later on, they used that because Savage would look back at that and say, you, had a, you lusted after Elizabeth, right? If he could do it then, why can't he do it now? He was more than willing to do it then. Is it because... At the time, again, he only had so many shows a year. Now you've got so much content every week that he feels the need to do it. I mean, I I'm just... wondering. I'm wondering if he's starting to listen like to the advertisers that think that wrestling fans are dumb or don't appreciate that type of thing. Man, Maybe. wrestling fans still ask who drove the Hummer, who DDP's benefactor was, right. who raised the briefcase at King of the Ring '99. Like, right. if you condition your fans to want subtle things and to look within and expect a smarter show they'll embrace it man they will love it like right to me like there are little things like one day i tweeted this the other day one day like four or five months down the line out of nowhere roman reigns is going to cut a promo and braun Strowman's going to fucking bulldoze him and all he's going to have to say is i'm not finished with you <laughs> and that's it we'll remember it we'll remember how much braun Strowman hates roman reigns 
from months and months before. You know, speaking of uh, Roman Reigns, and I, I thought of this when I forgot to mention it, during the whole Chris Jericho Omega angle, Yeah. not to take anything away from Jericho in terms of his stature and appearance, but can you imagine in WWE if they took Roman Reigns with that look and with, and with his physical stature and presence and did a storyline with him like they did with Jericho, with Omega, yeah. as, a, as a heel? Imagine how over that would be if they if they went that route with somebody like that. Yeah, you know. All right, let's. I, just, I wish they would. Let's go to stupid people, Nigel. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Okay, uh, you know, a couple of the stories on this one, Sean. I got to say once again, people are sweethearts. People are sweethearts. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of millennials this day and age. Good for you. Millennial horseshit. Well, because when you you're an office full of them, twenty. You, you I said I said a lot of them, not all of them. Uh-huh. A lot of them. And you're gonna you're gonna know what I'm talking about in a minute. Uh, first off, Nigel, who's our credit for our audio listeners, not our video viewers? Who's our credit? Trevor Strong. TrevorStrong.org. <laughs> It sounds like such a chore. Come on, Poor man. Nigel's got to write that on the blackboard a hundred times. You have one job, Nigel. I know, I know. One job. I almost forgot the first time. <laughs> oh God! So this first one, Sean. Man, these 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 young impressionable children, Sean. This uh, this first one was reported by the BBC on December seventh. A twenty-two-year-old self-professed internet prankster from the UK had to be freed by firefighters. Oh, After boy. cementing his head inside a microwave, um. he put his head into a microwave oven protected by a plastic bag, and then his friends poured seven bags of cement around his head. They he were... had fucking accomplices! <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to make a mold. Uh, clearly, it didn't work out. His friends tried for an hour and a half to free him before they called for help, and then it took the rescue team another hour to free him. Fortunately, his friends had the wherewithal to feed an air tube into his mouth so he could at least breathe during this uh, during this experience. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that none of his friends nor he were actual, like, Freemasons. I'm going to – yeah, there you go. Probably fair. Probably fair. What I'm <laughs> wondering is – And he broke out of the weird cult thing that you always hear about, the Masonic or whatever, and that was the punishment. What I'm wondering is because they they didn't they didn't release the name of this kid and I realize he's from the UK. I wonder if he's related to the guy from Coho's New York that burned up three city blocks making a sword. Like I wonder if there's <laughs> I wonder if there's a relationship here. So I thought that you undersold the sword story because you told me the damage, but yeah. until I see an like I put a, a an image to it, my God, that that whole block was on fire. Oh yeah, me. man, three city blocks. I told you. Like, I thought maybe some embers, like, flew out and... Yeah, no. no oh, hell no. That that shit got crazy. It was Judgment Day, Sean. It was. In co-host New York. <laughs> I was. It was to, I was waiting to see Terminator walk in the background of that. Oh, whatever he did, that was John... It was probably John Connor that made the sword. <laughs> That's what was going on. Because if we waited for the T-2000, they don't need to burn anything. He could just make a sword. Yeah. You know? All right, this next one was reported. This is pretty good. This was reported by NBC4. Now, this, I don't know if this is stupid or funny, but it had to be included. So it's either stupid or funny or both. Reported by NBC4 in New York on December 9th. Six Flags in Ocean County, New Jersey, had planned a snow day for last Saturday. And as part of it, they were planning to break the world record for the largest snowball fight. 
They ended up having me to cancel it because of snow. <laughs> the region so, experienced, you know, they experienced their first snowfall of the year, and I guess it was too much for snow day. So, I was going to the, the Festival of Lights, which is a big snow Christmas special last Saturday. We, we didn't get to go because snow hit us and the roads were terrible. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's something that we had kind of put in our heads. Like, yeah, sure, it's, it's going to be cold. It's an hour and a half away. If I'm going to a damn, what was it, a snowball fight? It was a going to be the world's largest, yeah, snowball fight. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that record's safe. I'd like to know if somebody showed up like amped for snow, snow for the snowball fight, and then they're told, "Oh, it's canceled because of snow." Where's the like, location? You'd be like, again? "What?" Yeah, what? exactly. It was in uh, Ocean County, New Jersey. I see. No, New Jersey's got to know, man. Like they, they're pretty far up there in the north. I like, mean, we got we got hammered on uh, Tuesday. And Wednesday, Wednesday morning, no problem, because we're used to it, right? We're prepared. Yeah. There's nothing. So this last one, Sean, do you know what synthol is? I don't. You ever heard of synthol, Nigel? No, I don't think so. So synthol is otherwise known as site enhancement oil. And back in the 90s, uh, and I'm not making accusations because it was only speculation, back in the 90s there was speculation that Scott Steiner – Use site enhancement oil. No, there was legitimate speculation that he used site enhancement oil. What it is is it's an oil that you inject into your muscle to make it look bigger. Yeah. That's what synthol is. Uh, and this story, Sean, and I saw the pictures to go with this, a 21-year-old kid from Russia named Kirill Tureshin has been injecting his arms with, with, his arms with homemade oh, synthol. No. Oh, he made it himself, huh? He made it himself. Homemade. In order to create artificial 24-inch biceps. Now, it would be one thing if this guy looked like, say, I don't know, Bobby Roode before injecting his arms. But no, he looks like, you know, Bobby Roode's uncle. He's trying to get that push, brother. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. 24-inch pythons. Now, get this. This Have guy... Seen... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so this guy started, when he first started doing this, he started with 250 milliliters. He found it wasn't doing enough, so now oh. he now he injects it by the liter. What the? F- by the liter, Sean. If you look up his pictures online, and I should have I should have given you one to put up. I never yeah, thought of it. I, uh, his arms now are you can see it in the photos. They're they're uh, they're bruised. They're inflamed. There's a lot of redness to his arms. He's been told by doctors that he is at risk if he continues for a stroke or paralysis or even amputation. Oh, God. And he has said that he continues to do this. He continues to, to inject himself. And why is he doing this, Sean? Why is he doing all this, man? This 21-year-old. And keep in mind, he's 21. Why is he doing For the this? butt. He's doing it because he likes posting the photos on social media. Oh, God. I just saw a picture. Yeah. Damn. Kirill Tureshin. Did you ever see that Indian fellow that did it, like, to his pecs and to his traps yeah he was the wasn't he the really tall guy the really tall one think yeah he looked stupid as shit yeah yeah yeah. i saw that guy too yeah i don't get it man just lift weights but this particular kid he literally injected his biceps and triceps and nothing else i mean like you know i can kind of get it i got neck problems wrist problems shoulder problems there are certain workouts i can't do but i like i'm very limited in what i can do and can't do physically got some stenosis even but I'm not, like, at the point to where I'm thinking, damn, let me shove this needle into just my tricep. Yeah, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? 
I don't get it. I can watch the uh, picture for a second if you guys want to see yeah, it. Yeah, okay, put the yeah, picture up so please, people can see it. Please. Put the picture up. No, I want to I see it. I don't know if you can see it, Sean. I'll see. I've got the, I've got the stream up. Okay. Did you put it up now? Uh, yeah, I just put it up for a couple seconds. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what a dipshit! <laughs> <laughs> it looks like nothing but his arms got sunburned. Yeah, yeah, and that's all the inflammation from uh, from what he's doing. So. It looks like he was allergic to like cats or something, and then he just went and bought like a cat sleeve and and, and you wore it <laughs> like now an and then took it off. And you see all the stretch marks too from doing that. What a what a what a what a sweetheart that guy it's is. It's a Maderma, bro. Get rid of those. Yeah, yeah. That guy's got a solid future in whatever business he chooses to go into. I bet he does. So, um, okay, uh, switching gears, I want to talk about the Buff Bagwell lawsuit. And I, I am not a lawyer, and I did not. Uh, I haven't had time to talk to my lawyer about this. Uh, but when I heard this, I wondered if this could, you know, potentially lead to more issues for WWE. So, Buff Bagwell and Raven sued WWE. Uh, they were both looking for unpaid royalties. They claimed that uh, WWE breached their contracts by failing to pay sales royalties related to the network, uh, specifically content featuring them. And uh, it was announced this past week that the lawsuit has been dismissed. Speculation is that WWE agreed to an out-of-court settlement, a confidential out-of-court settlement. Uh, and again, when I heard about this, who knows? This could pave the way for a lot of other former talent to come out of the woodwork thinking maybe I'll also get a settlement. Now, again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the terms of the deal. I don't know about the, the specifics of the talent contracts. Uh, it's been speculated now that WWE had been holding off on adding Thunder and Sunday Night Heat to the network because these two guys appeared on those shows a lot, and they wanted to get these, this lawsuit out of the way before they put that content up. And now there's speculation that they're going to upload all of that content. But again, I look at it like if Buff Bagwell and Raven can do it, why can't the other 100 or 200 guys that were around during that time looking for the same kind of settlement so well uh, not probably pro yeah perhaps not coincidentally my contact with raven for a potential interview has been cut off since this ruling oh there you uh, go there you he, go he don't need fightful publicity anymore <laughs> i was gonna interview him about his podcast and for the nwa long form i'm working on but right i would have paid 9.99 for a pay-per-view of jerry mcdevitt and raven just going at it in the in that process i was gonna that say is a battle that is a war of wits that I want to watch. I, I want to see and experience. I would pay nine ninety nine to not watch a Buff Bagwell match. Yes, personally. So yes. I, I was never, I never really understood why he was over. Yeah, he looked good. So what? I never really got never it. got it, man. No. I never understood it. No. It never, never resonated with me. You know how uh, he, you know how he got. Uh, uh, you know, legend has it how he got uh, discovered. Softcore porn, right? Uh, well, that's not what I, I heard. Like that. I heard he got discovered because he was Missy Hyatt's neighbor. Maybe. That's what I heard. It happened. And Missy Hyatt, of course, she'd be the type that would go for him, right? So. Yeah, we have, we have uh, funny stories about him on the old Shane Helms podcast, which is in the archives at FightfulPods.com. Go check out that Backstage Fights edition. I'm going to republish the Royal Rumble edition that we did last year. Lots of good stories there as well. We got a ton of Royal Rumble content on the way. Boy, you're... you're, you're couldn't have been better with that segue because the next thing on my list was the Royal Rumble. So I'm brilliant at it. Could have been better. And uh, so on Raw, they had a number one contender match. Skills that pay the bills. You know what I mean? So on Raw, they had a number one contender match. <laughs> <laughs> 
between Braun Strowman and Kane, and the winner was to face Brock Lesnar at the Rumble for the Universal title. Um, they ended up doing a double countout, and so now it's going to be a triple threat at the Rumble. And Brock's going to be on Raw next Monday, and they're probably going to make that official. Question for you, Sean. I know that Kane is a character that has long been one of Vince Man's favorites, uh, and they, you know, they call him the Big Red Monster, and he does the choke slams and the fire to the post and everything. All that being said, my opinion, Braun looking competitive against Kane, and Kane being able to lay Braun out, and Braun now having what three or four skirmishes with Kane and not definitively take him out. My opinion, it's not doing Braun any favors. Because I think that a lot of today's wrestling fans, even though they respect Kane, and, and most people today, I think, know about his political aspirations. And they don't see him at that level. No, I don't think people today yeah. see him at that level. And Vince so, does. Vince but they does. don't. Right. Yes. And Vince so, does. Yes. Because he has not lost since, la like, even when he was leaving SmackDown last year, yeah. he wasn't losing. He was beating Bray Wyatt and people like that. Right. And right. Luke Harper. He came back and he beat Finn Balor. He beat right. all the. I mean, he beat Finn Balor clean in the middle and easy, almost a squash. Easy, yeah. So yeah. Vince sees him as that. Yeah, I think it's it's and you know it's one of those things where Vince is like, ah, oh, he's supernatural. He doesn't need. Yeah. You can just say Kane went hard for twenty years. He went home. He healed up, and now he's the same monster that he was originally. Maybe he says that. I mean, he's a he's a goddamn human. Yeah, we know he's a human. He was corporate Kane for a year. Yeah. Uh, now that being said, I don't have that much faith in WWE, but lately we've seen some things change. We saw them put Kurt Angle in a match that we never thought that he'd be in. We saw them switch to AJ Styles from Jinder Mahal. We saw them change a lot of the things surrounding India. Broken Matt Hardy. I would, broken Matt in. Hardy. Yep. They've just up and said, okay, let's try something else. A lot of people think that this is to keep Braun Strowman from taking a pin. This might be keeping Brock Lesnar from taking a pin. Like, you never know. Vince McMahon may have just fallen so in love with Braun Strowman that he goes, God damn it, you know what? He is the guy. Let's go to WrestleMania with him. I don't think so. I don't think so either, but it's possible when you, when you hear... Eve Torres's heel turn in that Tom Cassiello interview decided five minutes before the show. Yeah, yeah. I think that Vincent Mann has his personality where he wants to prove everybody wrong. And I think that he probably has enough people around him telling him about Roman and all there's, you know, the internet is saying this or whatever. And so yep. Vincent Mann is going to run with it because he wants to show everybody, see, it worked. You know what I mean? So I agree with what you said. I think that Kane was added to the match specifically so that Braun doesn't take the pinfall. I think that's exactly why he was added to the match. Could be. Uh, but, I, but again, I think that having him look competitive with Braun just doesn't help Braun in, in 2017. And when I watched that finish with the double countout and they're both laying on the floor, I just thought, because it was pretty obvious they were going to do a triple threat with the double countout. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, how is this making Braun look any stronger when he's laying on the floor with 50-year-old Kane, who half the audience knows is running for mayor in his town mm -hmm. in Tennessee. Because the people are savvy now, man. They know this stuff. I love the sit-up, so, though. Yeah, that was good. I mean, it was like Brock and Taker. But yeah, it was, yeah, good. I, it was good. I said on Monday, I, I wish Braun would beat up a bunch of old giant legends and then steal their finishes. That'd Just be cool. take them. Claim them. That'd be cool. A couple of things from Raw that I want to touch upon. The first one was we saw signs of Jason Jordan's... Uh, impending heel turn. I love it. Uh, and man, did he look like a natural, man. I got to tell you. So it was very subtle and it was very quick. He was he was inadvertently distracting the referee when Dean Ambrose had Samoa Joe pinned. Ambrose got mad. He went outside to question uh, Jordan. 
that one subtle little moment when they had the little face-off, Jordan was like a smug prick, the way that he was looking at Ambrose, and then he was about to pick him up and do the, the overhead belly-to-belly. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be a great heel. I think the fans want to see it. I think that if they can add arrogance to his character, because his in-ring is solid, so if they can add arrogance to that character, I think that uh, that could go a long way. My other question for you is Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I want your opinion on this. So for the second week in a row, they did a pre-tape, right? Probably taped the same time, I imagine, but they did a pre-tape where you got Matt Hardy talking, you got Bray Wyatt talking, Matt Hardy laughs, Bray Wyatt laughs, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. I watched that thinking to myself, they're going to turn this broken Matt Hardy character or woken Matt Hardy character into a comedic sideshow act. It kind of already was, but I think they went about a minute too long with that thing. With the laughter laughter and everything, right? So I realize I realize an impact that was also kind of the point, but an impact he was obviously and I know it's you know big fish small pond I get it, but an impact he was the 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 main eventer. Yeah. What I saw on Raw, I saw an opening match card promo talent. That's what I saw. The way that WWE produced that segment and the way that they had those guys doing that, you know, dueling promo with the laughter and everything. I looked at that saying these guys are not going to go anywhere. They're, they're, they're going to feud with each other, and they're going to die off. Like, what did you think? I think that's what they want is an opening card thing. Like, this isn't meant for any championship or no. main event spot. This is a sideshow, and that's okay. I mean, Final Deletion did 1.3, 1.4 million views on Impact YouTube. That's like, that's like changing from USD to Canadian dollars. And WWE <laughs> YouTube views, that's like 15 million. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. 1.43 to 15. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. All of a sudden, the U.S. dollar is like Bitcoin, Nigel. Yeah, seriously. All of a sudden. Man, I feel dumb for not not buying some of that last year. Oh, everybody says that. Don't even worry about it. Everybody says that, Sean. Hey, even better, I jumped on Fightful last year. Hot damn. You know what? Okay, I don't want to go on about Bitcoin for too long, but I will just say this. So there's been a big thing about the the Winklevoss twins. Do you know who they are? Yeah. I know. I know you do. So yes. the Winklevoss twins, they were the Facebook guys, right? And well, they, they, they claimed they were the Facebook guys and got, <laughs> well, they got, they got financially reimbursed. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. So, yeah. so it came out a couple of weeks ago that they are supposed billionaires because they got into Bitcoin early. Uh, so they're supposed to billionaires. Good luck with drawing that billion dollars or however much it is. It's not that easy with Bitcoin. Yeah. So it's, it's ni- it, it looks nice in a, in a tracking platform. But good luck uh, pressing, you know, the, the old withdrawal button and getting your billion dollars. It doesn't work like that. So, Damn. Uh, let's talk about Clash of Champions. Let's do it. It's on Sunday. Uh, I look show, at, podcast, I, immediately following. There you go. I look at this card. There's three matches I'm looking forward to on this card for very, for, for very different reasons. Uh, so AJ versus Jinder, I'm looking forward to because I'm really getting into AJ Styles. And I knew prior to WWE, I knew that he was great in the ring. I knew that he had, you know, pretty decent charisma. I knew he was pretty decent on the mic. I knew all that. The reason that I'm getting into AJ Styles is because they are perceiving him as a smart babyface as opposed to what they typically do, which is when they make the babyface look like an idiot because they want the bad guy to, to screw him over and attack him from behind. AJ, they're actually making to look smart, and I loved it on SmackDown when the Singh brothers are trying to get with AJ, and AJ straight up says, you were with Jinder on the India show last weekend. 
I loved it that they did that because the crowd knows it, Sean. We've said this so many times. The crowd knows it. We, we covered it in an article. We're like, apparently they forgot what happened right. because right. This, this happened. I, I, I mean, I thought the Sing promo was pretty funny when they said Ginger smells like cheese and butter chicken. Oh, that was pretty funny. I, I, I said on last night's show. <laughs> That's what they said. I said on last night's show that AJ Styles' character should have said, that actually sounds kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny the way they, they, they were doing that, but I loved that AJ said what a lot of the fans think because they read the internet, they see the footage, and they know, and I love that. So I'm getting into AJ as a character, so that's going to be an interesting match. I'm looking forward to the uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura tag match. Uh, I know that you've been saying you don't think the Owens and Zayn thing has gotten over maybe as much as WWE thought it would. I'm still loving Sami Zayn. Did you see Sami Zayn when he kept on pulling his shirt up and down to yep to the yep chant? I love him as a heel. He's such a jackass. I love him as a heel. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing Daniel Bryan as a referee. I want to see uh, how how physical he might get and and all that. So looking forward to that. And then, ironically enough, I'm looking forward to the Bludgeon Brothers versus Brizongo match. And the only reason I'm looking forward to it is because up until now, the Bludgeon Brothers has been wiping out these enhancement guys in 10 seconds. Are they going to wipe out Brizongo in 10 seconds, Sean? I hope so, especially after last night. That went Colin Delaney and Colin that Delaney. fellow from Chikara yeah. with the scream. Yes, when he picked that him up. That was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant scream. Yeah. It was incredible. So yeah, I'm looking that, forward that's, to that's that. That's about all that has my interest as well. Like, yeah. Normally, WWE won't throw a tag match like Orton and Nakamura versus Owens and Zayn just on a show. That's like a SmackDown main event for them. Right. So they added a bunch of stipulations and hurdles and things like that. That's what we can watch out for. But I am looking forward from an in-ring perspective to the Fatal 4-Way tag team match because they, they always deliver. Always deliver. Uh, just keep Benjamin and Gable away from microphones. Yeah, and uh, plus Rusev's in the match, and Rusev is awesome. He's incredible. And he loves crown molding. So He does love crown molding. Who doesn't <laughs> love well, I can tell you who doesn't love crown molding. Toronto doesn't love crown molding. Apparently. Some, you know some Torontonians, some Torontonians <laughs> don't love crown molding. I'll bet if Ring of Honor's B.J. Whitmer moves to Baltimore like he told me he may have to do, he'll look for a place with crown molding. (laughs) I spoke to B.J. Whitmer about Final Battle, his transition from wrestling to working behind the scenes, and a ton of other stuff. Uh, Here's a clip. Uh, So you got Final Battle coming up. What, What can fans who maybe haven't checked out Ring of Honor before expect out of a Final Battle? Because this is a big, like, three weeks for the Ring of Honor and New Japan connection. Um, absolutely. Expect, expect a stacked card um, this weekend or next weekend, I guess it is, right? Mm-hmm. Weekends <laughs> all blend together here. Um, yeah, I mean, you got a main event, Dalton Castle and Cody Rhodes for the Ring of Honor world title. Um, we got six-man belts, I believe, on the line, Flip Gordon, um, Dragon Lee and Titan from CMLL against um, the Hung Bucks. I mean, there's a stack card, Kenny King uh, in a four-way with Punishment Martinez, Silas Young, and Shane Taylor. I mean, it's stacked, card stack, Will Ospreay, um, Matt Taven. So, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a card, man. Hell of a card. So you, you've had a bit of a transition over the last year or so in Ring of Honor. What exactly are you doing in Ring of Honor right now? Um, I wear several hats <laughs> right now. I, uh, 
help write and format the TV. I guess you can call me an associate producer in that aspect. Um, on the shows when I and I fill in on commentary, so when needed or if needed. Um, if I'm not doing commentary, then I'm usually producing from the gorilla position um, on a headset with uh, our production crew and cameraman and stuff like that. Um, other than that, I also book the travel for all of her ring of honor, I guess everybody's travel except some of the office staff, like production guys, um, the talent and stuff like that. So all in the process of, uh, finishing nursing school as well. So I've been pretty busy over the last year. What kind of changes did that, that mandate in your life? Like any type of relocation or like what kind of changes did that mean for you? Um, just more work. I've been able to do booking the travel. I've just been able to do it from home, from a laptop, um, or whatever, you know, I could do that kind of stuff. Um, it was just, uh, getting used to the travel, um, website that we use, um, concourse solutions, you know, just getting used to how to use that. And then, uh, I kind of knew a little bit how to set up like an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so I just, you know, got a, like a template from that they were using in the office with like all the roster on it. And then I would go through and pull off anybody that wasn't on the shows or anything like that. And then kind of, you know, column for their departure date and, uh, arrival and times and stuff like that. It was just, you know, getting used to filling that stuff out. But it didn't uh, call for a relocation or anything. I'm still in the Cincinnati area. Um, there is a possibility that I get a actual office position as an employee um, next year. We're in the process of negotiating that right now. So, But that would – I would have to move to Baltimore if that goes through. How does that look to you moving to Baltimore? Um. I'm excited about it. Like, Would your life be like The Wire? Uh, I hope not. I hope I can, <laughs> I hope I can find a, a place in a, in a better neighborhood than where The Wire was shot, for God's sake. But uh, no, Baltimore's a cool town. You know, get down like um, part of the city that's Inner Harbor and stuff. There's some cool like restaurants and stuff. Cool restaurant, Little Italy, and of course Jimmy's famous seafood's right there. I guess it'd be on the east side, just right outside of the city there. I guess it's still in the city limits, but uh, out from downtown. There it it can't be better than Newport on the levee. There, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. They, they don't have a game works there in Baltimore. Um, I don't guess they do. I haven't got yeah, a chance probably, to down there in the do. harbor. They probably got like six of them. Yeah, they probably got a Dave and Buster's or something down there. There's got to be something similar down there. Well, they got that Bellator connection at Dave and Buster's. They've always got the – Bellator MMA guys showing up at all those, so at least there's. Oh, that. do they have like an agreement, like a sponsorship? Agreement oh yeah, oh Bellator? yeah, big time, big time. Like okay, that was. I didn't realize. That. That's like the happening thing at Dave and Buster's. They they got that plastered all over Bellator. Now, when when a change like this happens in your career, you've been wrestling a long time. Is that something that you go to them and you pitch the idea of you being able to do all this stuff, or do they come and ask you, hey, you you? You're a very experienced guy. Are you able to do this? How, how did that occur? Um, like over my last year working, um, I was starting to fill in, doing some more backstage stuff. Um, and then at the beginning of this year, we kind of shifted our productions. They shifted more, transitioned into a little bit more of a booking committee, maybe you could say. And we brought in to help you know write and format the TV along with a couple other um, people on the roster. Um, which was cool. I mean, they flew us to Baltimore once a month. We'd sit uh, around a conference table and I would drink, I would drink coffee. Some of the other guys drink energy drinks and, uh, you know, we'd come up with, you know, angles and stuff. And that was really cool. Cause I'd never really, um, 
had a chance to do that. I've done, you know, help book some stuff on some indie shows here, but when you're, you know, writing and formatting TV, you got to realize, Hey, we've got 46 minutes of TV time. We've got seven segments to fill. Um, Sinclair's like their kind of rule for production is a segment has to be a minimum of five minutes. Um, a segment can go, you know, seven or eight, but the, the least amount of time you can have in a segment is going to be five minutes. So you've got some, you know, to, some set parameters that you have to work around there. And it's been really cool, um, you know, learning how to format and, and write TVs and, you know, where you can plug in, you know, a VTR um, pre-taped promo and, you know, where they plug in the desk on cam shots for like Colt and Ian or myself and Ian if I'm calling the TV and stuff like that. So uh, it's been really cool. But yeah, I kind of, you know, was taking on more responsibilities backstage and um, my body's a little beat up. I could probably still go if I really wanted to. Um, but my body's, you know, taking a major, major beating over the years. All right, we're back. <laughs> BJ Whitmer may be moving to Baltimore. We got a ton of like business talk in that interview as well, like talking about the possible tribune media uh merger that would be big for ring of honors we talked about last week and kind of his transition into the backstage role because a lot of the guys once they get out of the ring they just kind of abandon it and he was like nope booking travel letting people know what's up he's doing uh commentary now like Mm -hmm. he's doing a lot of different stuff so um there there's gonna be a ton of really good talent on that ring of honor final battle show i encourage you guys to check it out uh but more importantly check out our post show right after because if those do good numbers, I'll keep doing them. There you go. You know, in a, in, a, in a very roundabout way, I thought of you last night, Sean. Oh, did you? <laughs> so it's a very roundabout way. So, was it when you, were, when you were counting your money for this Christmas party I just heard about? Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> no. no. Okay. So uh, last night, so again, we're doing this on December 13th. So last night, my beloved Edmonton Oilers, who were having a shitty season, uh, they were in Columbus to play the, the Blue Jackets. Yes, they were. And I know that that is kind of sort of your team. You're not really into hockey, but that's kind of your team. Yeah. I'm uh, trying. And that made me think of you when I saw that they were going to be playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. And when they kicked the living shit out of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, here, here's what was funny about it. So in the first period, the camera caught a guy in the crowd that had a sign. The sign said, I will chug a beer every time the Oilers score a goal. That's oh, what God. the sign said. No. Right? Rest in peace. Edmonton, Edmonton not only won the game 7-2. to two, but in the second period, they scored three goals within like a four to five minute span. They scored three goals. And one of the players on the Edmonton Oilers, a player by the name of Milan Lucic, uh, he tweeted this morning, he posted a picture of that guy, and he tweeted something along the lines of, I really hope that he, uh, that he honored his promise kind of thing. I because... don't want to eat alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> That's a so that was people segment for next week. It almost would be, yeah. So I thought of you when uh, because they're playing Columbus, and then my my team won seven two. So it was a good night. Yeah, I'm conflicted. Like, should I like the Blue Jackets? It's like Columbus has never been. You know, it's I I went there to cover wrestling, mm-hmm. but I mean they're really the closest team we have. Mm-hmm. They're Unless actually they a Annapolis team. And, and, and forget about that, that particular game and that particular score. They're a good team. The yeah, they're, they're a good, good team, team, especially the last couple seasons. They've yeah. been a good team. Yeah, they are. They are. Everybody has a bad night. So that, that was That's just one of those true. nights. I want to talk about Errol Lucha. Um, uh-huh. So last Sunday, they filmed their pilot, their TV pilot in Nashville. I saw some pictures from the show, and I will give them some credit because the scene looked pretty good to me. 
the uh, uh, they got a reported thousand people. Conan tweeted that it was a sellout, but he was going to tweet that anyway. But they got a, a, a reported thousand people. The ring and lighting I thought looked really good. I thought that the the way they had the crowd set up and everything, I thought it all looked really really good. Uh, now here's I guess the million dollar question: Are they going to be able to find a television network willing to actually pay the money for the rights to air that footage? I don't think so. I think they're going to end up with a barter deal, very much like Pop or I, I can't remember. Did Destination America pay uh, Impact? I think it was a barter deal. Barter deal? Okay. I can see them getting a barter deal. Maybe they paid a little bit. Right. Okay. I, I don't see some network, you know, opening up their wallet to give Ron and Don Harris a bunch of money for this thing. But uh, but again, to their credit, I mean, I thought it looked good. I thought the venue looked good from what I saw. How are they able to have Lucha Underground talent on that show? That surprised me. Like Johnny Mundo and Willie Mack and a lot of people were on that show that surprised me. Uh, former Fightful uh, podcast host Shane Helms was there. I, I kind of joked to him. I was like, did did your boy Vince Russo teach you a few things? And you know they, they've had heat for a while. He said that Vince was in great spirits, very easy to work with, made things very good. And uh, I actually heard from multiple people that Vince Russo was actually rather rather uh, easy to deal with backstage. Pleasant to deal with was right. the term that I got. So good for him. I hope yeah. it, it helps him out as well. I mean, you know, all these people who appeared on Fightful are getting jobs and stuff. Showdown Joe's heading to Japan and heading to Titan. And Elias Theodore is winning fights. And Jason Kincaid's in Evolve. And Matt Frank Riddle Trigg. All over. Frank, Frank Trigg. Trigg. Reffing UFC fights and working for yep. Ryzen. Yep. It's just... It's just what we do. We give people the rub. And you know what? I got to say, I, I I mean, I don't know these guys well, but I've talked enough to Frank Trigg and I've talked enough to Elias. Uh, these are good guys. And even even yeah. Vince Russo, I know that there's controversy with him and I know that there's some people that don't like him. Vince Russo has always been cool to me. So he was he was not hard to work with at all. Our contract was yeah. difficult. The contract <laughs> was tough. We'll put that but in a book one day, Jimmy. Maybe, maybe. We'll put but that in a book one day. Aside from that, Russo was cool to me. So everybody yeah, we've been I, working with have been good. I told Shane, I think, when Vince turns off the shtick, that he is a very valuable – he'd be very valuable to right. wrestling media. I've said this a billion times. Like the concept that Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson have right now, I pitched that to Vince Russo like in May or June as soon as I found out we'd be working together. I was like, Vince, you hate the current product. Let's not talk about it. Let's yeah. do this. Now, I don't think it could have worked the way that it's worked for Conrad and Bruce, especially because Vince had been there for a defined amount of time. But like, I think that it, with old stories like that and mm-hmm. aspects of it that people don't know about, like I remember you would ask me before I talked to him, do you have anything you can ask him that hasn't been asked? Hell yeah, I do. I got a million things I can ask of Vince Russo mm-hmm. that other people don't think to ask because it's always the same shit. They ask him – what about Jim Cornette? What about the time you put the title on yourself? What mm. about David Arquette? Attitude mm. Era. Like mm. it's he, When you pick that brain, you can get some valuable stuff out of it. Uh, when he drops the shtick and you know, kind of trolling fans and stuff like that, I think he is he can be outstanding as a resource. Yeah, I agree. You still have that one strand that's like shaking as you talk, and it's Good. very, Good. very, it's very, uh, it's very distracting. <laughs> One more thing on my list this week, and I'm going to throw this to Nigel. Do you know who Andy Kaufman is? Oh, yeah. Are you familiar with Andy Kaufman's intergender championship wrestling shtick? I don't think so. Okay, because I, I, I think Sean knows where I'm going with this, because this is what I think of. Uh, so Andy Kaufman was a big pro wrestling fan, right? And back in the 80s, 
because uh, he was based in New York, and at the time, the wrestling business was territorial. What that means is different promotions have their own geographic territory. And at the time, the WWF was based in the Northeast, and New York was the epicenter for the WWF. Okay. So Andy Kaufman, because he was a big wrestling fan, wanted to do something with the WWF. WWF wasn't interested. That was Vincent Mann's dad at the time, wasn't interested. So he got hooked up with Jerry Lawler and ended up doing stuff with Memphis Wrestling. Andy, and my boy, Bill Apter. Through Bill Apter, that's right. Uh, Andy Kaufman's shtick in comedy that he transitioned into pro wrestling was that he would wrestle a woman as part of his comedy act. Uh, and what he used to say was, if you can pin me for a three count, I'll give you a thousand bucks. And let me tell you, I've seen some of the matches, Sean, I'm sure you have. <laughs> some came very close. Yes. Because sometimes he, he met some very uh, healthy women. And some of them came close to getting him down for that three count. And he would sometimes use ways around it. Like they would wrestle on a mat, like a gym mat. Right. And he would do things like, oh, my arm came off the mat. Right? In order to get around it. The reason I'm bringing this up uh, is that James Ellsworth tweeted a parody of Cody Rhodes' list. You remember when Cody Rhodes left WWE, he tweeted a list on, uh, on Twitter of matches that he wanted to have against certain people. James Ellsworth tweeted a list, and it was a list comprised of women. And it was everybody from Emma that was recently let go from WWE to Deanna Perrazzo, who's done some stuff for Fightful, to Brandy Rhodes. Even Cyborg was on his yeah. list. And boy, that would not be pretty. But Cyborg was on his list. When I saw this list, and I don't know if James Ellsworth was just being funny, and I don't know if he was just trying to do a parody of Cody Rhodes and just being funny, I immediately thought oh, of Andy no. Kaufman. I, he's he's savvy. He's a smart dude. Okay. He knows like so like what they're gonna book him against Matt Riddle because right. Matt Riddle talked talked about him in an interview once. No, he like who's out there clamoring for a lot of James Ellsworth matches? Maybe you do Colin Delaney or Barry Horowitz or Gilbert. To be honest with you, Sean, I personally would love to watch James Ellsworth against Matt Riddle. I think sure, that'd be awesome. I would too. I would too. But then yeah. you've got a very limited number of matchups for him there. Yeah. He made this list, and every single one of those matches, except for maybe Carmella, will probably get made. Cyborg? Somebody, Cyborg? Eventually, eventually, he'll face Cyborg in the wrestling ring somehow. Somehow he will. Because uh, she wants to wrestle real bad. Yeah, she still has a contract. I know this for a fact. She, she still has wants, a contract. Yeah, but when she doesn't, it'll happen. That'll still be there. You think he'll, so? He'll, he'll make it work. Oh, yeah. He'll make it work. He's very smart about that. That was a brilliant idea to, to put that on there. I thought and so, too. Gonna, He's going to lose every single match. Yes, he will, and he'll do it happily after he gets his payoff. He sure will. Yeah, and and again, I immediately thought of Andy Kaufman, and I immediately thought of the Intergender Championship, and I think, like you said, I think if that is his mindset, if he's thinking that this is going to be my gimmick, I'm going to go on the independence, I'm going to wrestle women, and I'm going to lose every night, I think it's brilliant. Um, and, and Andy Kaufman, I don't know if you know this, uh, uh, who's the guys that made my belt, Sean? Wildcat? Yeah. Wildcat actually made an intergender championship belt uh, a few years ago, and they did it as an ode to Andy Kaufman. I think they were selling wow. copies. Yeah, I think they were selling copies, but they made it as an ode to Andy Kaufman. If I'm James Ellsworth, I'm getting one of those damn belts, yes. and I'm bringing it with me onto the independence, and I'm defending it on every yeah. show. Maybe he could win the matches due to some kind of a, of a you know some kind of yeah. stipulation or something. But I think it's a brilliant move for him. I think it's perfect for him. It's going to give him longevity. Yeah, uh, and uh, so I wanted to bring that up because I thought it was smart. And once again, I thought of Andy Kaufman immediately um, when I saw it. I'm liking a lot of the outside the thinking or outside the box thinking as it pertains to wrestling outside the WWE. I like it. Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks being 
very ambitious in 10,000 seats, so committing to that. Hey, you know what? I commit. If me and Jimmy Van ever run a wrestling show, we will fill up a 100-seat venue. Hot damn. I mean, I got 30 people in the company, so... That's what I <laughs> we, only, we, only, we only got 70 it more counts. to go, Sean. Hey, it counts. <laughs> That's it for my list this week, man. A wild weekend ahead. Like, it's one of those weekends where... <laughs> Nothing jumps off the page as like being huge as as far as like mainstream buzz and stuff. But at Fightful, it's going to be a big weekend. Podcasts nonstop. Like if you look at my podcast slate from Friday until about next Wednesday, it's just psycho. I've got like six or seven shows. Mm -hmm. uh, James Lynch is going to join me on the UFC 219 post show because uh, Joe will be in Japan. That's cool. So uh, he'll be here for that. Uh, maybe I can get him on Holy Smokes that week, depending on his schedule. But he has the MMA industry podcast tomorrow with Hunter from uh, Flow Combat. And I think he's going to ask a little bit about Flow Slam and maybe yeah. what he thought of that business model as well. The two aren't necessarily as connected as you might think, but I'm sure he'll ask. But I've got the Fightful Wrestling Weekly that is going to drop probably Thursday, Friday each week now. Like sometimes there are little nuggets that I drop on podcasts and things like that that you can't really stretch into a story or it doesn't fit anything. And a lot of that will go into there. Did you find a, a guy named John to win this Ric Flair action figure? I didn't find a guy <laughs> named John, but I am making, uh, I am going to list the next contest and the winner of that contest over on the forums, which I was going to mention. Okay. So that will be up momentarily. Head over to Fightful.com. Subscribe, like, thumbs up. Let me know what you all want to see more of, too. Like, the news updates, like, if there's anything else you all want me to approach with those, have at it. I'm here for you guys. I'm here for you. <laughs> Jimmy, what kind of a schedule are you looking at for the pre-Christmas week? You all got a full week ahead? Uh, at the office? Yeah. Uh, well, I told you we have our, our holiday event next Thursday, the 21st. Yeah, thanks for the invite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what. I am going to ask Nigel. I want you to take photos from the evening. And I want you. I want you to document it and send the photos to Sean, please. Do that for me. I, sure. I would. I would appreciate that. Because we'll do that I for like you. I like those people. Yeah. No. I. Uh, I've, I've been telling you about all the rentals I have going on. One of them, I'm told, will be completed by the 23rd. And so. Which, that, one, which um, one of them was in Georgetown, Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We got to get our traffic numbers up a little bit first before we consider <laughs> something like that, Sean. That's but, true. Uh, That's true. But no, I'm looking forward to a little bit of a break. You know, it's been a very busy time, so I'm looking forward to a little bit of downtime. Yeah, as am I. Like, we had, we've just had a, a stocked, loaded December so far. So, a little break next weekend just so we can work Christmas here at Fightful.com because of WWE. You bastard. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? But I gave Alex that Christmas night off because I thought about it and I was like, wait a second. In Australia. Raw will be off the air on December 26th. So you mean Anna's Anna? going to join? Oh, yeah, Anna. Anna's going to join me for the post Raw podcast. Oh, she is. Give, yeah, that way Alex has a full Christmas off. Alex, by the way, has a new off track up. It is uh, about Matt Hardy. Go check that out, guys. But follow Jimmy at Jimmy Van seventy four. Follow me at Sean Rothsap. We are all over the place. Spotify, Player FM, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and we're also out. Bye. <laughs> Nigel's like shit shit this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.